Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 256 of Yoga Land. Well, hi there, Jason. Hello there, Andrea. I said it that with such love because I'm not only looking at my husband, I'm looking at my husband with the dog in his lap. I put um, some honey on my fingers. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's going to last for long. <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to last. That's okay. That's but okay. you know what she can do when she's sitting in my lap? Gaze at me. She can stare into the beauty that is you. If you guys could just see the gaze. Oh, well, they can. I Go love the Jason gaze. Jason Crandall Yoga YouTube. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about a topic that I think everyone around the world needs to be talking about and processing right now, which is resilience. Yes. And the ways that we can start to cultivate resilience. Yes. And the ways that yoga helps us naturally cultivate resilience. I think naturally cultivate, but also intentionally cultivate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about this. The way this came up for me was an Instagram post that I did about how much it's talked about sort of in health, wellness, and I think also like in business and marketing circles about sticking to a routine. Yeah. There's all of these like, this is my morning routine, this is my evening routine. And, right. and it's like sort of this veiled message is, if you can just get everything right every single day and do it the same way every day at the same time, and you'll maximize everything and you'll totally. get everything right. Maximization and optimization. Yes. Key words, for sure. And while I can see value in that, yeah. it's definitely not my, it's not what, for me personally, works super well. And what yoga was really the first thing that taught me to instead tune into how I was feeling that day or that moment and then respond. Right. And so I can just remember doing Ashtanga practice when I would do Mysore practice, which is, you know, the same series of postures for me. It was always primary series. I never really moved on every day. And, <laughs> and, going into the room. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about how much better at primary series you would be than second series. Yeah, that's why you're laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably yeah. why she never really moved me to second series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and the teacher saying, same sequence, different every day, right? Yeah. Different every day. And it was her way of saying, and she, and she would actually, you know, let us modify according to how we were feeling. Sure. It was the first discipline for me that I had ever learned that level of awareness and those tools to be able to respond rather than like berate myself or be annoyed that I couldn't fix it immediately or try to fit myself into a little box. What's interesting to me is that we've started this conversation with the idea that we don't have to maintain perfect consistency. And I think you're setting this up as resilience is at least in part the capacity to respond to the need in the moment. Mm -hmm. But then we were talking also about this, the strongest sequence, which is you show up for day in and day out and it's mostly the same thing. So maybe a routine and adaptability and resilience within that routine, they're not mutually exclusive. No, absolutely not. Right, right. So, I mean, in, the routine was really just a jumping off point sure, for me sure, to sure, talk sure. about this idea of, of having a practice that allows you to tune in day to day and then eventually moment to moment and, and have an intelligent way to respond to yourself. Yes. 
and to to be able to be flexible in the way that you respond to yourself. So I think, you know, right now, these last two years, everybody has had to be incredibly flexible. Right. And, you know, to have a practice that continues to remind you that you can do this, that this is what we're trying to cultivate, is, I think, really valuable. Yeah, so in one narrative, maybe, we have this idea that we are to be optimized and we are to have formed our good atomic habits, (laughs) right? And we are to stay completely focused and on task. And in the other regards, well, we also have to be adaptive and responsive to the change that happens around us Mm -hmm. and to the change that happens within us. Mm -hmm. And these aren't aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but we have to have the intellectual dexterity to see that they're not, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, you know, when I think about intelligence, there are many different definitions of intelligence, but to me, a foundational term of intelligence is the capacity to respond appropriately, right? So we think about emotional intelligence or intellectual intelligence or any the number of intelligences, there is the implicit understanding that we have the ability to meet the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that we have the ability to meet the moment. And I think that this is certainly where I get, where yoga has helped me build resilience. Mm-hmm. It, it has helped me actually tune in to what's happening a little bit better as it's happening mm-hmm. and respond accordingly. Right. And so oftentimes I have to have the consistency and the presence of showing up. Mm-hmm. I have to, in a way, have the rigidity mm-hmm. of showing up for my practice. But then within my practice on any given day, I might see, man, today is a day to really work. Today is a day to really not work. Right. And so the consistency and the adamancy and the rigor of showing up for that which is important to you, but in doing so, seeing that we need to respond to what's happening accordingly, both internally and externally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think saying it in slightly different ways, just you do have to have that foundation of doing the practice. Yes. Like you do have to have that as a foundational principle. And from there, you learn actually how to respond. That That's how you learn the responsiveness and the dexterity. And then that's how you can apply it at other times and in other situations, other places in your life. Right. So, yeah. 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 How do you think that yoga is uniquely positioned, not exclusively positioned, but how do you think yoga is uniquely positioned to help us be resilient through the ability to respond to a situation compared to other either embodied modalities, right? Like how, how is, I'm going too much. How is yoga uniquely able to help practitioners become more resilient through the responsiveness that this practice develops? How does yoga help us be resilient in a way that other things don't? I want to ask you that question since it came up for you. I think if we're talking about the physical practice, I think so many other physical disciplines are focused on an outcome yes. and focused on achieving something yes. and focused like if you're a runner, you're going to run a race and you want to get a faster time. And if you're playing in a, on a soccer team, you want to win and you want to score goals and all those things. And those are great. 
especially if you're someone who excels at those things yeah. or you respond really well to those things. I am forever going to put my stake in the ground as a strange person, a unique person. Those things have never really worked that well for me. And so it really wasn't until I found yoga and I found something that was like, oh, actually, you know, your body's going to feel different in different seasons of the year. And it's or going to feel different times of the day, different right? times of or your life cycles of the month. Right. Exactly. Right. That it was like such a relief to me to to feel like, OK, I'm not so weird. I can't always just push myself toward a goal. I have to actually respond to what my body and my mind are telling me. Yeah. So to me, this is super interesting. And I have to admit, I struggle with determining which of these worldviews I fall under most. But I think that we can lay out two different worldviews here when it comes to resilience. One is resilience through adaptation. Mm -hmm. One is resilience through responsiveness. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we lay out the kind of sports, and it isn't necessarily just sports, right? It can be performance, whatever. It can, there's a lot of things it can be. But as an athlete growing up, right, playing a competitive sport, you forced your mind and your body and your emotions to adapt to the environment. Mm -hmm. You didn't, you didn't, it's not that you didn't account for those things. Like the environment was here and you had to meet it. You, ha you always had to meet it. Yeah. You always had to meet it. You're tired? Sorry. Sad? Sorry. That's how you are with Sophia sometimes. <laughs> Not on the sad part. <laughs> Not on the sad part, <laughs> no, but just okay. like... <laughs> yeah, I can be real. But I can just see... No, but I can just see that training in you. And it's yes. not a bad... Th I'm not, I am no, no, not no, no, saying right, it's right, a bad right. thing. And, and I think I think that this is a, a really interesting intellectual conversation, right? Because I, I don't... Like, and it's why I'm saying, like, I, I have a foot in both worlds, right? Right. So one is, or like, let's say, you know, let's say I was a super intense bodybuilder, which cameras will tell you <laughs> I am not, right? But it's not to say that there isn't cyclical or periodized training behavior, but you have a worldview where more or less you show up and it doesn't matter exactly how you feel. You do the thing the way the thing is to be done, period. Right. Right. You have, a, and then, right. And then you have a different worldview, which is a little bit more a contemporary yoga worldview, probably not a traditional yoga view, but a contemporary yoga worldview, which is you show up to the practice, but there are many different ways of practicing depending on the time of day, the season, the cycle, the energy, right? Mm -hmm. the, it's, it's very common for a yoga teacher to ask a student to check in and to listen to their body mm -hmm. and respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. Those were not inquiries that I was invited to make as an athlete, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And so the and so in but both of those, to my mind, both of those modalities do train a certain amount of resilience. Right. They're right? and they're useful they're in different di situations. Yeah, they're useful. Right. That makes sense. That's why when I said that you do that to Sophia, sometimes it's like sometimes that's what Sophia needs. <laughs> right. Sometimes I mean, and we don't need to get into that because it's, but but we all sometimes need a little bit of a fire lit underneath us. Yeah. And then sometimes we need, see, see the thing that for me that makes me realize I am a little bit more in the ladder, ladder camp in terms of just my... Respo my respond my, to the moment, Ve yeah. very, very what you need in the moment to meet the moment. Right. And, yeah. and, and I, I just mean in terms of my own physical being is that 
you'll often hear like, just show up and do it and work your hardest and do your best and you'll feel so much better afterward. I'm actually not one of those people. Mm. I mean, sometimes I have a panic attack at the gym. You know, like not often. Some, not often. Not often. Like once every 10, 20 years. But has it, it can, happened recently? It has happened recently. Maybe it's happened recently. I've, once in a while, actually, <laughs> speaking of panic attacks, <sighs> once in a while it happens at the gym. Once in a while it happens 10 minutes in to one's inaugural Costco trip. Oh, stop. That wasn't a panic attack. That was close. It was close. All right. But it, it happens actually at every Costco trip, <laughs> which is why I've only been like three times in my whole life. Here's, let's talk about the arc of my Costco trip, just because it's actually, I mean, okay. I don't know. I guess I'm, I think I'm funny, but um, the audience can decide. But it, go, it goes like this every time. I'm a little nervous as we pull into the parking lot. Seems like there's far too many people on this yeah, planet yeah. as embodied by Here. Costco and the parking lot. Go into the Costco, feel a little overstimulated by the lights and the sounds and the smells. Then I get the Costco high. I get so excited yeah. by all the stuff I never knew I needed. Yeah. That's so cheap and in bulk. And I get super excited. You're like, I don't, I've never really known how much fleece I need. I need so much fleece. I need all the sweatpants. Fleece and flannel. I need this. We went right before holiday time. I need the little tree light, the trees that are lit up like this on the lawn out yeah, front. Yeah, I need, yeah, I I need the that. three, like the three heights. Oh my God, my nervous system goes boof. I can't handle it. And then I just tank. Oh, and I have God. to, remember I had to get out. Like you were I like, do. you That's need to wait to. in the slot. <laughs> I had to call Chelsea and tell her I couldn't make it. I could barely make it through the whole thing. Anyway, so Costco is not my resilient so place. So you are not, you are not the person that is always the show up, follow through with the routine. It says that you're, we decided we are going to do this. And so therefore, no matter what, we will do this. I'm not. You're not. No, I know. And, and that doesn't make you, as your husband, <laughs> that doesn't make you flaky. See, I see both of these worldviews as being complementary to each other, but also genuine ways to stay like on the, the language of the topic, resilience. Mm -hmm. Like, let's relate it even broader to the yoga tradition, which is yana yoga right? Mm -hmm. The yoga of discernment right. or the yoga of wisdom. So knowing that now I cannot deal with this. Mm -hmm. I don't have the capacity to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I'm 40. What are you, 41? <laughs> oh, go on. Man. Don't okay. look, I don't look a day over 42, do I? Not a day. <laughs> okay. But you have gotten to the point in your life where you are an expert witness in who you are. Yeah. Right? And so as an expert witness, you can kind of say to yourself, now's not the time for me to do that thing. And that conserves your ability. It conserves your prana. It conserves your sanity. It mm -hmm. conserves your liveliness and doesn't push you over a certain edge mm -hmm. and allows you to maintain. You are being resilient through responding to a moment through skillful knowledge and appropriate behavior. Yeah, yes, that's right? a very nice way to put it. I also just wanna add. That's a good spin on almost coming undone at Costco. <laughs> there you go, that's why I married you. 
what I would like to add to that is when you were saying there's the, the responsive, right, where you meet the moment, and then there's the adaptive, where you respond. I would add that I think one of the benefits toward cultivating the adaptive side is that it creates resourcefulness and creativity. I think of myself as a very resourceful person because I've had to become very resourceful. I've had to come up with a lot of solutions for how to cope with myself. I was just gonna say that. You know, I've had to really be creative and in the way that I work, in the way that I, you know, for how long it took me to meet someone and get married, you know, for how long it took me to be able to know that I could raise a child. I mean, all of these things, they require inner resources and a sense of being able to solve problems. Yes. And so I think when you cultivate through yoga, when you cultivate the ability to really, really tune in, and like you said, be discerning with what is happening and what would be a skillful, appropriate response, you grow in your, in your resourcefulness. And the thing that's interesting to me is, I think we're talking about a pretty high level human thing, but it, the way it actually, we develop in our practice, I think is really easy. Right. It's really basic. Like, you know what, today I need a little shorter duration in this forward bend and I need uh, support. Yeah. Today, I don't need support in this forward bend. I need to dig my heels in. I need to engage my hamstrings at their end range. I need to create a little bit more length in my spine. The ability to do the same thing different ways on different days based on listening to our inner wisdom on that day That's what we're talking about here. Or to be true to yourself about like, let's say you go to a hot yoga class and you love the teacher and you know, and and you love the heat and then something starts to happen and you start to notice, you know, two years later, you start to notice that the heat really doesn't feel good in the moment. And later in the day, you really don't feel well. Like you, you know, you feel just off, you, you bonk, you're, you know, you feel uh, overstimulated, whatever it may be. But actually being able to notice that and say to yourself, hmm, this hot, hot room might not be working for me for now. For now. For now. It doesn't have to be forever. And doing the same thing, I mean, you know, this, I would say Ayurveda is like very related to this whole discussion. And maybe, maybe it was really Ayurveda that helped me bring it into my life and my practice because it sounds kind of funny, but it was like 20 years ago, but it was really Ayurveda that taught me to eat more seasonally you know, just really eat in with, with the rhythms of the season and with, with what is out there. And so that ability too takes discernment. I was really excited today because we got Sophia a drink, a special drink, and it had, had milk in it. And after she drank it, I was like, oh no, you might have a stomachache after this. I forgot that you don't respond well to milk anymore. We usually get you coconut milk. And she said, yeah, milk is the one that's the worst for me. I can have cheese, I can have yogurt, but I just can't have milk. It's amazing that she, I was right? so excited that she had that ability to tune in because I don't think I was, I think I was about 30 by the time I'm I still sorting it tuned out. in on that level to those things. Yes. Yes. I think staying like really here with this conversation, there's not only different ways to do a seated forward bend on different days, depending on kind of where you are, apply more effort, apply less effort, apply a little bit more rigorous technique, let the mind just kind of relax, right? There's, there's different things, but 
Also what you're bringing up with hot yoga, and I know you're just using this as a style of yoga as an example, but there are so many different traditions within the hatha yoga tradition mm -hmm. that it's easy, relatively easy, relative to other embodied events to find styles of hatha yoga or other forms of yoga that work for you as life changes. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And you know, it's going back to being an athlete in my younger days, like I would love to play hockey again, but I, that's not a casual thing. Like mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that casually. I have no idea. Right. I literally, the only thing that I would know how to do if I lace up my skates is like, be savage about that game because that's the only way you ever play that game, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you just don't have multiple ways of doing that particular game. And I think that's part of the beauty about the yoga practice is, I, want, I don't wanna say the practice changes with us, but the way we practice can change over time. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even mean that, we're, that we, it only changes one way, but when Sophia was really young and we were insanely tired all of the time, I needed my yoga practice to be softer and gentler and quiet. Mm -hmm. I needed it to give back. I needed it to, as a, I needed to use it to Nurture restore the yourself. battery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. Right. Right. So, so it's not like it's one way. It's that we can toggle intensities very, very easily here, mm -hmm. so long as our mind lets us and we see the value, mm -hmm. which is kind of the next kind of really small, quick little point on this, which is sometimes I struggle to not be rigid and to not focus on, guess what? I'm gonna focus on adaptation instead of change because I think that there is a bigger psycho-emotional vulnerability to being flexible instead of rigid. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? So if I see myself in a limited way, then I'm gonna do something that reinforces that limited view of myself. Hmm. So, if I, right, so if I see myself as this, if I still see myself as an ice hockey player, then the way I have to do my physical things is in reference to an ice hockey player. Mm -hmm. But if I see myself as a dynamic human, and only one aspect of that is someone that likes combat sports, mm -hmm. but the other part of it is someone that likes to be a little bit softer, more relaxed, more resilient, whatever it is, then I can practice multiple ways. Hmm. But I have to be able to see myself in multiple ways mm. to have this kind of responsiveness. So I think, I think you, you find people that have a harder, more limited sense of themselves forcing a circle into a square. Mm. It's like, no, it's always gotta be like this because we, can't, because we can't really envision ourselves in another way. We just don't see ourselves in that way. That is a great insight because you and I were talking before before the show started about the idea of cognitive flexibility. Yes. And so I think they're related. Yeah. I because if I'm going to engage with a process, even if I'm not like a 
a maniac narcissist trying to get something out of it. If I'm gonna go do a physical thing or I'm gonna go do like an intellectual query or whatever it is, like I'm gonna do it because I'm interested in it and most of the things we're interested in it to some degree, like we get a sense of ourself in that thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I have to have a pretty broad perspective of who I am to practice and engage with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I have a very limited and narrow sense of myself, then the things I do, they have to reflect that one thing. So I have to do that thing that one way. So maybe for some people, that's why yoga and meditation practice can make us more open because we are getting in touch with that deeper sense of self, that more cosmic sense of self. I think the yoga practice actually, it is, so a way to me that it is unique is that it asks us to witness ourselves when we're doing that thing, right? And so we start to see, oh man, maybe I'm just doing this thing because this thing is my identity. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just pushing really hard in my Pachimottanasana, and I only do it this way because this way is my identity. And 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 when I do it in this identity, if I do it well, and I do it this one way, and I do it well, I feel good about myself. Uh, yes, I get that that validation, yes. external validation from right. doing this. Because well, well, really, I think cognitive inflexibility also, like I think you touch on something so interesting, and I think in addition, the root of it is anxiety. Yeah. It's an anxiety. When you think about any kind of rigidity, any kind of inflexibility, sticking to a certain routine, doing things a certain way, having a certain worldview, right? It's about controlling anxiety. And so when you get in touch with that, like deeper sense of self, the divine, whatever you want to call it, you feel a lot less anxiety about yourself, about your relationship to the world, about what's going to happen to you, all of those things. Yes. And I think that gets us to the to core teachings of the yoga tradition, which is you are who you think you are, but you are not even close to be to being the limited notion of self. So yoga is there as a moksha shastra, as a liberation teaching, not to teach you that you aren't you. That's right. like weird pseudo misunderstanding. But it's to teach you, you are you, but the way you perceive yourself is way more limited than who you actually are. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you can see yourself in a much more comprehensive and dynamic way, then you have an increased ability to respond to what's happening inside and the outside. And that builds this style of resilience. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I had this random thought. I, w- I, w- I would love to know what, <laughs> this is really out of nowhere, but out of left field, but. <laughs> Does it have to do with the Costco? No, 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 no. No, I, 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 I wonder what scientists, like astrophysicists and astronauts. Well, speaking as an astrophysicist. <laughs> would think about the experience of meditation and being in that place of experience you know when you're in that place where you really are experiencing yourself as so much more connected and so much larger than your small self 
I'm just thinking about space travel and how. Well, next week Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> is going to be on. So Neil, please come on the show. Yeah. You know, I he's talk to you. He's the thing with him is he's finally gotten to a place in his career where he can start being on podcasts with greater pedigree and more exposure. Well, I know he's a listener. Pla- I know a little bit he bigger is. platform. I mean, it might be a little bit above his head. Yeah, if yeah, we're yeah, being yeah. honest, yeah. but I think I think we could kind of dumb it down for him. I th- here's my guess, speaking for astrophysicists and astronauts. <laughs> Stop. Uh, no, I'm making fun of myself. Okay. Not you. Okay. Yeah, I know better. I think there are countless things that put you in awe of the complexity of the universe and your humble role in it. And yoga is not the only thing. Right, right. But I think the more you see like the massive complexity of being, the more you are just going to be incredibly humbled by this like strange little gift we have of consciousness and doing what we're doing. And so I was resting in your lap. She's happy. She is happy. Well, thanks, Jason. Uh, We got very heady and we were going to kind of do a more, I think, tactical, we know that this is a hard time and here's the way to get through it. But um, I really enjoyed- I'm happy to do that next. The conversation and we could could see if people want us to do it next. And if you do, we've got lots of ideas. Or just like do yoga and- And know that we're gonna get through it together. Yeah. All right. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, do all the things. It helps us so, so much. You have no idea. You can also find out what art we're offering, where Jason and I are teaching this year, all that good stuff if you subscribe to our newsletter at jasonyoga.com newsletter. And until next week, enjoy your practice.